Today on the podcast, we're talking about what it means to be bold. And who better to join me than bold branding and small business coach and my good friend, Suze Chadwick. Suze and I crossed paths for the first time in a Clubhouse conversation. And for those of you who don't know what Clubhouse is, it was an audio hangout app that rose to popularity in the early months of 2021 and then fell just as quickly. And I immediately knew I had to get her as a guest on the podcast. She deeply believes that real impact comes from being bold. So today I give her a call to explore how. Joining me on the podcast is Suze Chadwick, a South African-born, Australian-raised, Gorman-wearing, 80s tune-blasting, thrill-seeking woman who loves to jump out of planes and dive off cliffs, neither of which she sees as heart-pumping as running a business. Besides being an in-demand speaker and a podcast aficionado, she loves working with savvy women to help them become bold and powerful voices in their industry and claim their space with confidence. I've been looking forward to this conversation. Suze, welcome to Phone Calls with Clever People. Thanks for having me, Shane. I'm excited for this chat. Yeah, likewise. Um, we kind of crossed paths um, maybe last year or maybe it was at the start of this year. Oh my gosh, all the years are blurring together this in year. what I would say is the the momentary phase of Clubhouse for me. <laughs> Some people will listen to this and go, what on earth is Clubhouse? During the early 2021, it was a thing that escalated and blew up. And then for me, I'm not sure if you're still on it, but it disappeared for me. <laughs> but I'm not really, I'm not really on it that much. I have to say though, I've taken some pretty amazing relationships out of it. So whilst I'm not on the platform that much anymore, like pretty much at all, I'm still connected with a lot of the people that I met, which has been amazing. Likewise. And I was about to say one of the things that I'm deeply grateful for that platform for is that I've met so many great people through it as a result of it that we now connect outside of that world. And so um, I remember one of the first times hearing you speak in there and just hearing this kind of, okay, I'm going to say it because it's, I mean, it's your brand, but this bold kind of audacious, like really kind of energetic person speaking about, um, you know, building your personal brand and showing up with confidence. And I was just like, okay, at some point I've got to get you on the podcast to have a conversation with you. Cause I just reckon you'd be a world of fun. And so I'm excited that we're actually finally making it happen before we kick off. Can I ask you three fast facts? Where were you born? What was your first job ever? And then what do you do now? I was born in South Africa in Durban, came to Australia when I was two. First job right. was at Coles Noble Park. Check out Chick. All right. Proud of it. Uh, and what do I do now? I'm a bold business branding and speaker coach. Uh, of course you are. I love it. And for those people who are listening to the podcast, you, you don't get to see um, Suze's background, which is just like bright and colorful. And just before we came on, you mentioned that... <laughs> One of your children was looking for balloons for, for something. And I was like, of course you have balloons in your house. You live in a constant state of celebration and life and color. Um, I mean, have you, are, are you always this person? Is, is this just like who you've always been? 
Yeah, I would absolutely say so. I think that I've always been really attracted. Like color is life for me. It's it's like my it's in my blood. So yeah, my office is just an eclectic, you know, art like kind of art gallery where I'm just like, oh, that's nice. Who knows if it all goes together? It doesn't matter. I love it. It brings me energy. So that's what I'm gonna do. Uh, and yeah, I've just always been like that. And I think that uh, even when I was in corporate. I would still be quite bright and colourful, but just in corporate wear, which is funny because I live in Melbourne and you're wearing black and Melbourne <laughs> it's, it's is black known and for black. I was never somebody who wore black. Uh, and then when I kind of came into my own business, I was I just like supercharged it really. I just like, you know, there were no barriers. There were no borders. I was like, let's just do the colour explosion all the time. <laughs> I love it. I mean, it would be helpful for people who've, who don't know you. And, and, and there are a lot of people who maybe are listening to this who do. But for, for those of you who don't, can you kind of maybe just in, in a short kind of way bridge the gap between working at Coles to doing what you're doing now? So obviously you've gone through corporate. It's a long journey, I'm sure. But maybe just give us the, the kind of the, the succinct version of your, your journey to where you are now. Yeah, for sure. So I basically was in HR and recruitment for about 15 odd years. And that took me to London. I used to work for a company here in Melbourne. They transferred me to London. I stayed in London for around about eight and a half years uh, and ended up working for recruitment companies. And then I headed up recruitment for Deloitte Consulting uh, across uh, the UK and Europe, which was pretty amazing. And then uh, when I came home, I was working for a recruitment outsourcing RPO, recruitment process outsourcing business. And I just knew I'd kind of had tasters of doing brand campaigns when we were looking to attract people into organisations. And I really loved it. And so when I kind of had my first child, I just knew that I wanted a change. And so I ended up working uh, for free for somebody when I was on my maternity leave, just like on a Thursday afternoon, she was a brand strategy consultant and, uh, and I would just be her lackey. Like I was like the person that was on the Skype meeting taking notes. And I was in a senior leadership position in corporate when I went on mat leave, but I was just like, I really wanted to change direction. And so after two years, had two kids in that space, went back to my job and said to the CEO, I think that we're really missing a big opportunity around employer branding and I want to start like this brand consulting business. And she said, go for it. And so from there within the corporate business that I was in, I started building an employer branding business, uh, did all the bits and pieces for it. And we ended up doing that across the US EMEA and Asia Pacific, working with large investment banks, media companies, pharmaceutical companies to really supercharge their employer brand. And also I was working with leadership teams around how they built their personal brands to attract really stellar talent into their business as well. Uh, and then I helped girlfriends on the side to, to kind of build their business. And when I started doing that, they were like, you need to do this for a job because I just loved it. I didn't realise how much I just enjoyed the process of putting it all together uh, and then eventually yeah I was building the business on the side and then resigned and went full-time in my business which I love and I work with mainly female entrepreneurs now to help them build a profitable business without the burnout and really get more confident with how they show up. I love that story because I think the last probably, I mean, it's always been important, right? But probably in the last two years during kind of a global pandemic where we've moved to online working and we've moved to kind of remote working, 
the the spotlight has really shone on to leaders around their personal brand um, because really when we're not seeing that person you know the old traditional way of leading which is walking the hall the floors or walking the halls seeing people now what we see is their social media presence and yeah. we're seeing leaders that have got like a LinkedIn profile that's ten years out of date we've got people who are not online at all and so they've become kind of the invisible leader do you reckon there's been a uh, I guess a more emphasis in the last 12 months, 18 months around um, how people show up, especially in a leadership capacity. Yeah, for sure. I think that there is a higher expectation on leaders these days to be visible, but not only be visible, but be deliberate in their messaging, to be intentional in communicating their values, because if you want really great people, and I'm going to come at it from an employer branding perspective, and, and I mean, you know, it totally is important whether you've got current employees or you're looking to attract new employees is that people who are really great at what they do, they've got choice. Mm. They can pick and choose where they go. And so those types of people, they're not just looking for the money. They're not just looking for, you know, what the job opportunity is. Obviously those things are important, but they're looking at who will I be working for? Who is leading Mm. this organization? What is their vision? Like, what is it that I'm buying into? And are they aligned with my values and how I want to work in maybe a flexible, flexible environment, my own personal development, how they run projects, like all of those Mm. things. You know, I worked in that space in recruitment and HR and then employer branding for like 20 years. And so I spoke with and, you know, recruited really senior people into organisations. And I feel like it's definitely heightened now with our online presence, but I feel like Mm. that's something that's always been really important. But now people are looking at that you know, online to see whether can I actually see what this person's like. And so I do think that the expectation on leaders to be more visible uh, and articulate their own values and what their beliefs are around the future of the business uh, and what it's like to work for them is definitely there. Yeah, it feels like um, for a long time it's been extremely valuable to have and now it's moving to that space where it's detrimental to ignore. Like yes. it's like you, it's now in the point where it's like, it's always been valuable and it's always been really important. But now we're in a stage where if you ignore it, it's actually going to be really detrimental. Um, I was talking to someone who is working in a, in a technology company, quite a big technology company in Australia. And they were saying that they are paying their new kind of employees more than they've ever paid before. They're offering more benefits than they've ever offered before. And he's, quite senior in the organization. He said, when I came in, I was never offered that kind of starting salary. And he said, but the challenge is, is that the the competitors are always willing to just up that and pay more. And he said, so there's got to be something that distinguishes between more money, more perks, more options in their role. And this is one of those things that a new new employee or even just someone who's looking to join an organization, that's the stuff they're looking for, right? The visibility of their leaders, the brand of the organization, the how well those values of the organization are communicated to potential employees. Yeah, absolutely. But I also think, you know, organizations, the, the way in which they work now is so important because we're just mm. in a different, like we've got expectations around flexibility and work-life balance and not being, you know, available after 7 p.m. and all of those sorts of things. And so the leaders have to reflect that kind of culture. And if the leaders Mm. don't reflect that kind of culture, then that speaks volumes as well. And so 
I just think that there needs to be, you know, I always talk about in business, sometimes you've got to take a step back and really look at it with fresh eyes. And I think a lot of times leaders are in organisations, they may have been in organisations for a long time and they're not really seeing it from the point of view or with those fresh eyes of people who they're either wanting to bring in or the people that are there now, like what is it that we need to be evolving to? What do we need to be thinking about? What are the topics that are really critical to our people and how are we understanding that um, and really bringing them into the conversation as well? And so I think that there's so many elements to, you know, leadership and personal brand and communication and culture and flexibility right now that it is it is harder for leaders because they have to have so many tools in their backpack. They've got to have so many things that they're aware of uh, and they've got to care about a lot more, I feel, than what they used to. Uh, And I think that's really important. I know that um, somebody who I kind of follow in the employer branding space, he does a lot of work globally looking at employer brands around the world and there was a really big discussion around what leaders need to understand now with people coming back into the workforce after lockdowns and through the pandemic and things like that and just understanding that the conversation has to be really different to what it was before before it was like performance and you know um got like goals and and hitting targets and all the rest of it and now there's like such a complexity around mental health and flexibility of work and performance, but in a different way and, and those sorts of things. So it's an interesting time for leaders. I think it can be a really exciting time for those who are willing to embrace it. But I do think that there's a lot that leaders probably need to up, be upskilled in that maybe they weren't upskilled in in the past. Yeah. And I think one of the things that you just said in there as a phrase that stood out to me is that that really if you're going to attract the highest, uh, you know, degree of talent to your business, you've got to stand out in some some way, shape or form beyond your ability to just pay them more. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's all of the kind of things that you're talking about. But I think one of the things that um, is definitely aligned with your your brand and who you are is helping people really be more bold and which ultimately is about helping them stand out to be able to help make the impact that they want to make. But of course, when people hear the word bold, it's, it's one of those words that gets kind of thrown around a little bit, maybe a little bit misunderstood. And perhaps in some people's mind, they think bold, but they think bright. So they think bright colors and they think all of those things yeah. rather than what the essence of bold is. I mean, how do you define what it means to be bold? Um, yeah. And it's so funny because I am a very bright and colorful person, as we've already established. And so people <laughs> say to me, oh, Suze, but I can't be an extrovert like you. I'm not bright and colorful like you, so I can't be bold. And I'm like, that's 100% not what bold is. Like if you look at the definition of bold, it's about breaking the mold, going against the grain, doing things differently, taking a risk. That's what Mm. the word bold means. And I totally 100% embrace that. And so I think that we've really got to take a look at what does it look like to be bold as a leader in whatever space you're in? Like what risks are you taking? What are you doing that's a little bit different? How are you looking at the landscape of your industry or what you're wanting to do and how are you seeing who's doing it better than us? Who's doing it in a really different way? And it can totally be, you know, a business that has nothing to do with what you do, which I think is always a really exciting way to look at things as well Um, because I think we can learn a lot from other industries that we're not in 
that are just doing things with a lot more freedom, a lot more flexibility um, when it comes to their ideas and the projects that they have and all of those sorts of things. So I'm always looking around and we were talking a little bit earlier uh, just about, you know, there's a new ad on TV, which is all about a corn chip. It doesn't mention the brand. It doesn't show the logo. uh, And it's literally like at the end, it's like, that's what a bold brand is. It's like, we don't need to say who we are. And you know exactly who they're talking about, which is Doritos. And that to me, never seen it before. Love Mm. it. Like that sort of thing. I'm like, oh my God, that's so unique. That's so different. Uh, And I think that that's kind of what we're looking, we're looking at. If somebody was to experience like come in contact with the people in your organization, would they know that that's your business? Like would that, Mm. would they know that you're like, oh, that person seems like somebody who would have worked at Google or they seem like somebody who works at this kind of business. And I think that just having values and, you know, messages that are really strong, I think that if your people really love them and live into them, I think that that's kind of where you want your brand to be as well because, Number one, it increases the retention of really great people. But number two, I think you get a lot more, you know, I guess engagement and new ideas and visibility from employees who really love everything that you're doing. And so even when I think about leaders, you know, it's the leaders that were bold. It was the leaders that did things differently. They're the leaders I remember. Like if you were to say, Suze, who are the leaders that you love? I'm like, John Connolly used to be the managing partner of Deloitte when I was there, you know, in the 2000s. And there were little things like he used to send a voice message out on, I think it was every Monday or Friday. And so you'd pick up your phone and you'd dial into your messages and there'd be a voice message from him where he'd send it out to all employees. And it was such a gorgeous, it would be like, hey there, I just want to let you know you guys are doing an amazing job. Uh, You know, this is what's happening in the business. And I wanted to personally let you know. And it was such a personable message. This was like 15 years ago, Shane. And I'm still telling that story today. And there there are leaders that I've worked for that have just done things differently. And they are always the leaders I refer back to. They're always the leaders I remember. And they always made my job, the work environment, our culture, what we did, memorable, exciting, engaging. And I think that's what we're really looking for. Yeah, I mean, when I talk to organizations now, they they don't use the word or they don't always use the word bold, but they always use the word like we want to be thought leaders and we want to be, you know, pioneers and we want to be, you know, they they talk to the outcome often yeah. at times of being bold. But the challenge is to go, we want to be the person who's broken the mold. We want to be people who have been identified as being different. But the step before that is actually having the boldness to break the mold, right? Or to step out of the the way that you've always done things or to get into a place of discomfort. What do you reckon stops people from, you know, let's talk, you know, leaders, organizations in in any kind of broad context, what stops people from going, okay, I'm going to step out of that way I've always done it and I'm going to be bold? Oh, complacency, laziness, uh, (laughs) always done it that way, much easier to stay doing what we're doing now. Hamster wheel, you know, Mm. there's so, there's so much, and I mean, I totally get this as well. Sometimes there's so much expected. There's so much to do. There's so much happening and that all flows down, you know, it flows down from the top. And so when people are in, especially when we're in like, you know, survival mode as well, sometimes it's really hard to step out of that, which has been really interesting because a lot of my clients now they're like, 
oh my gosh, like I've had time to do all this stuff in my business that I've not had time to do before because I'm in lockdown. Obviously, you're not <laughs> wishing that on anybody, but it's really yeah. interesting that during these times, um, certain people can kind of find the time. They're like, oh my gosh, this is a project we've been wanting to do. We've actually got time to do it now. I don't know that a lot of corporates are in that situation. They might be more in survival mode rather mm. than thriving. And so I think that also when you're in survival mode, it can be hard to kind of see the wood from the trees, so to speak. But as I was saying earlier, it is about having maybe the top leadership, you know, the kind of ELT level that cultivate an environment where space is given to be bold, to take risks, where that's okay. If you try something and you fail, we're okay with that. Just do it fast and learn from it and then work out what's next. And I think that that was something, you know, one of, once again, great manager, great leader um, that I had in my last corporate job. Because of what I was doing in employer branding and because we were coming up with new services and I had to do quite a lot of, I guess, conceptual work and creative work with our clients, she used to say to me, Suze, I just want you to take a half a day, like every fortnight or something. And I just want you to go and I just want you to think. I just want to give you space to like, what, what problems do we need to solve? What do we need to think about differently? Like, how can we do this thing that we've been, the client wants us to do? Like, what would that look like? And just permission to have space to be creative, even if it's an hour. It's kind of like the whole Google thing where, you know, they, they had an hour a week or however long a week to just work on their own projects. And a lot of some of Google's most amazing products and services came out of the space for their staff to be creative. And I don't think like all businesses are going to go do that, but I do think it's about asking who are critical people in the business where we might need to give them the space to be creative and think and do things differently and maybe look around the market and kind of go, you know something, I just want you to take like two days and I want you to go and explore what everybody else is doing in this space, maybe not in our industry, but in what we're looking to do. Um, and it may not be the same product or service, but what ideas could you come up with looking at what other people are doing that you could bring back to us? And I think that that's definitely an opportunity for businesses to really broaden the ideas that are coming in. And I think you can only be bold when you're willing to take those risks and you're willing to look at things in a really different way than maybe the way that it's always been done. But you've got to have leaders that are willing to create that space. Yeah, I remember um, running a workshop with a bunch of senior leaders and I asked them the question, how would you feel about telling your team that you were going to take just a morning off um, in the next two weeks to just go down to your local cafe and just think about the, the future of your team yeah. and the business? And they were like, that's the most uncomfortable thing that I could think about. Like, just, like we, we're so busy right now. My team would hate me if I did that. And it's always interesting because, again, like I think you touched on it, when you're on the hamster wheel, the thought of getting off that to to think strategically or to think boldly about you know how you could break the mold is a, is a terrifying thing. Um, I, I The example that comes to my mind, I can't remember the specifics of it, but I'm pretty sure it was with Ted um, in the US. Their staff are given, I'm not sure exactly what the timing is, but it might be like a half a day a week or a, a day or fortnight or something like that um, over a period of time where they're allowed to go and learn something. 
And their whole strategy is to go learn something. And at the end of six months or 12 months, whatever that timing is, they have to deliver back to the organization a presentation or a talk on what they learned and what that experience taught them. And I just love that because that's them living out and walking out what they believe as an organization. And so we talk about building bold organizations or we talk about um, having organizations that are known for being thought leaders, but the systems have to support that in the process, right? 100%. And that's what I mean. Like you've got to, it's got to be visible. Like it's got to be tangible in the business where the leader is showing that. And even you asking in your workshop, would you take a late morning to, to do that? Them not feeling like they can do that or that they're comfortable to do that, that to me says culture, yeah? Mm. Like is it something that's acceptable for us to be able to do that? And so, you know, like I was saying in in the company I used to work for, I feel like that was kind of something that we were totally able to do and it was encouraged and all of the leaders had flexibility and, I mean, the business was thriving. Like it was doing really mm. well and people weren't killing themselves, Like it wasn't, you know, kind of really hardcore in the way that we worked. And I think just by the leaders having that flexibility and being like, I'm taking Friday off, like the CEO worked a four day, um, a nine day fortnight. And Mm. even that, I'm just like, that's awesome. Like, I love that. I love, I love hearing that. I mean, the, the, the whole, um, challenge with, with, um, you know, people having space for this is it becomes a bit of an, um, an unspoken spoken, which is that no one's ever told me that it's not allowed, but the thought of doing that, you know, makes me feel a bit uncomfortable because I don't think others would view that favorably. When you were telling your story at the start, when you said I had this idea of, of working on employer brands and I went and told my employer about that and they said, go for it. I, my first response was who in their right mind would do that? But obviously a really good business would do that. <laughs> yeah. And I think, you know, something I always say, cause I was building my business on the side whilst I was working um, for my employer and and they were really encouraging. So, you know, my CEO would say, so Suze, what do you need to kind of develop? What do you need to train in, et cetera? And I'd be like, I really like this course or I really like this thing. And she'd be like, okay, cool. Like go buy it, go do it, all the rest of it. And so I think I also put myself through a lot of education for my business. Like I was just, I was just became obsessed with branding, the psychology of branding, marketing, socials, building communities, all the rest of it. So I did a lot of that myself. And then I would bring that enthusiasm, that knowledge into the business. And so I think that there was a real um, like two way street where they totally could see that the things I was putting myself through and investing in myself. So they weren't paying for it. They were benefiting from. And so they were more than happy to also invest in me so that I could develop more in the things that we were doing for them as well. And so I just think, you know, when, when you've got employees and you encourage them to learn and build and develop themselves, you give them space to be creative, those sorts of things. I think that they, number one, will give you so much more back. You will get more longevity out of them and retention out of them. And I just think that, um, you know, when you've got leaders that are willing to listen and really, I guess, lean into the strengths of their employees as well, then I think that it's just such a great partnership. And I think everybody mm. gets so much out of it. Uh, but I also I also think it's important, and I do talk about this a little bit, is that it's really important for, for employees to ask for what they want. I was, my mother always taught me, you know, you don't ask, you don't get. 
That's what she yep. always said to me when I was growing up. And I just kind of lived that. Like I'm just somebody who's like, I will all, I'm shameless. I will ask for anything. All they can say is no. And then I'll just move mm. on to the next thing. Like it's really not a big deal. And so I think also creating a culture where your employees feel like they can ask. I think it's kind of, there's two things there. They have to be somebody that's willing to ask, but also saying to them, what do you want? Like if, mm. if we could develop you more, if you could have a great work environment, if um, I was the kind of manager leader that, you know, could really help you thrive, like what would that be? And I think curious leaders are leaders that will create bold cultures and environments. And I think curious leaders who want to see their people thrive, who are willing to kind of put a stop and go, okay, let's just get off the hamster wheel for two seconds and let's actually take a look at what's working, what's not, what do we need to shift, what risks are we taking to move ourselves forward. And can I just tell you, like when I started the brand consulting business, some projects failed, some were great, but I never felt bad when something failed. And when I say bad, I mean, I was never worried. I was just like, crap, like that's, I wish that they had gone better. I had communicated throughout the whole process. And so we could see when something was going to go well and when it wasn't. And this was more right at the very beginning. But I was just like, I was allowed to fail. Mm. I just had to communicate what was happening and be able to articulate why it was failing and what we were going to do so that that didn't happen again. And I think that that's a really important thing too. So being highly curious of your people, processes and how things can be better and then being really great with communication so that there's an open dialogue and, and I think that builds a lot of trust as well. I'm, I'm kind of reflecting the conversation to this point and just kind of connecting the dots of where we've come from, which for me is around, you know, for organizations that want to attract the top talent today, they've got to both at an organizational level and a leadership level stand out. They, they, they have to be bold and stand out, but being bold doesn't necessarily mean, you know, the extroverted, bright, colorful, bold. It just means being willing to take some risks along the way to break the mold. And I think that is a, is a beautiful picture, but to do that, you got to get off the hamster wheel long enough to create space for that and just create a culture of that. I think I, I would echo everything that you've said, because I think it's just, it's spot on, especially the area of like building the culture that reinforces this. So my, my next question is obviously there's going to be lots of people who are listening to this or maybe not lots, maybe a few people are listening to this and they would say, you know what? Millions, I am Shane, millions, millions of people are listening millions. to this right now. <laughs> there's going to be people who will sit there and go, yeah, it's great for you, Suze. You know, you work with entrepreneurs who get their own business. They can do whatever they want. Not me. I'm in the middle of a business. Our, you know, I'm working in an industry that's not creative, that's not bold, that doesn't take risks. The culture doesn't support it. I'm not allowed to fail. I'm stuck in busyness. So great to talk about being bold, but that's not that's not something I can do. Do you reckon that's a fair assessment or do you reckon that's uh, a bit of a story? I'm like, I'm like do I be really honest here or not? Uh, Please so be I, really honest. So there's, so there's, there's two things is number one is that once again, if you don't ask, you don't get. And I think a lot of times people are too scared to be the leader, even if they're not a leader if that makes sense. Uh, yeah. And I, I think sometimes we're waiting for permission 
to be able to make change. Like if you see something that needs to be fixed, then be the person who says that needs to be fixed. You know, I think that a lot of times we can, not a lot of times, but sometimes we can choose to be the victim because it's easier to be passive than it is to be somebody who pushes to be bold and make the change and go against the grain and take the risk. And I think that that's a personal choice. Uh, so you've really got two two options here. And I remember somebody asked me, what would you have done if your CEO had said no? And I said, the thing is, is that by asking, I was able to make an informed decision. If she said mm. yes, I would do everything I could to make this happen because I was super passionate about it. If she said no, then I was in a position to make a decision whether this was the organisation I continued my career with or whether I jumped or whether I changed or whatever it was, yeah. So I think that if you're sitting in, you know, a job and you're like, yeah, but I can't do any of these things, you either be the change or you make a change. Those are your two options. Oh, my gosh. I, I'm still caught up in the phrase that you said, you can be a leader when you're not the leader. That, like, I, I want that to sink in for people because that's a, that's a, a deeply profound thought. Um, that even if you are not the the title of um, leader that can make the the changes that you want, you can still be a leader and and ask for the things that you want and push the boundaries and in, inform and influence decisions uh, by using your voice, right? Absolutely. And I always found it really interesting. Like I would go into big organizations and, you know, work with big, big brand and marketing teams. Uh, and, you know, you'd have some really senior people. Some were great, some not so great. Uh, but sometimes you'd have some really, like, young <laughs> like newbies and they would be pushing. They'd be pushing. They'd be, you know, really kind of coming up with new ideas and saying, okay, well, this is how it's been done, but we could do this. And it was really interesting to see the dynamics of kind of the new and the old. And I'm not even talking about age sometimes. It could just be like somebody who's come in with some fresh eyes and that sort of thing. And so I do think that I think that we, it doesn't matter what position you're in. I think it's just about being somebody that in your space of influence, even if it's a, a cubicle or if it's, you know, with two people or 20 people, it's just about you being somebody who is curious and somebody who's willing to speak up, you know, and kind of being like, I'm not here to make massive changes, but I see this one thing that I do and I think it could be better. This is how it could be better. And I think if you can go into it with that, then I think that a lot more will go in your favour if you're somebody who's really proactive. Because I can tell you now, there will be leaders who are tired. They're tired. Mm. They've got they've got a lot on their plate. And if somebody in their team's like, you know something, Shane, I think we could do this and we could do that. Um, and I would really love to like own that. They'd be like, awesome, go do it. So yeah. even sometimes you may not have a leader that's like, oh, I'm going to be, you know, championing all of this and running it but if you're willing to do it then they're like sure I'll support you go for it if you've got the energy and the nous and the determination to make that better then go for it and so I think that there's there's different situations but I think if you I'm just always going to be a believer in if you want something make it happen Nobody else mm. is going to make it happen for you. Like take ownership. Don't be, you know, a victim. Just get on with it. Yeah, I, I agree. And even reflecting on my own journey through career and corporate, 
there is um, there are some leaders who thrive on creativity and ideas and energy, and they will be your biggest supporters when you go, I've got an idea, and can we talk it through, and can we explore possibility and dream? And there are other leaders who are not wired that way. And I worked with a leader who I would come to him, and I would feel like he dismissed me regularly, that he didn't care about my ideas because I'm a dreamer, and, and yeah. I would bring a dream to him. And what he wanted was a plan. And so what I learned to do was find the other dreamers to con- innovate with and connect with and bring something that's more f- fully formed to him. And he was my leader at the time. And he was like, I love this. It's exciting. Let's make it happen. And then he put his resources and support behind that. So even people who are hearing this, they go, well, my leader's not the kind of person that I could share those ideas with. That's fine. Share your ideas with someone who can hold the space for that and share the concrete practicalities with that person and ask for the support and resources. So it's also knowing who that you're working with as well in the process. Yeah, absolutely. And I was, you know, somebody once asked me about like how did I kind of end up in the roles that I ended up with because I was in pretty big leadership roles at a very young age and I'm just like I just always knew who was the influencer. I always mm. was able to spot somebody who could be my advocate when I wasn't in the room. The people that could make things happen even though they were like three levels above me. Like jokingly, I was at a like a drinks thing um, with Deloitte many years ago and I met John Connolly at the time and he was like, oh, so, you know, uh, you know, how's recruitment going and all the rest of it. And he's like, so, Suze, you know, what do you want to, where do you want to go? And I'm like, John, I'm coming for your job. And he was just <laughs> like, he just laughed and he's like, I'll be, I'll be watching out for you. And I think that, you know, just, just being somebody that is willing to have some fun as well, like just see what you can do, see what you can influence, understand who makes decisions, understand, like you said, what the leader you have, how do they work? What do they need from you? And maybe if you give them what they need, then they'll give you what you want as well. And I think that there's that balance too. It's not always all about you and what you you want and need, but I think that you can definitely learn to communicate with people in a way that influences them a little bit more, but also look for the people around you that can potentially change the trajectory of your career and who you can have honest conversations with. I think that was something that I always was really honest and open about was what I wanted, what I wanted, mm. where I wanted to go, what was the next step, those sorts of things. And uh, and I think just having those conversations too can just me- – it just means that people know – what you're thinking and and what it is that you want. And once again, then you can make decisions about whether they're able to give you that or not too. So, yeah. I'm curious to know, do you think bold is an on-off switch or is it something that you build upon? Is it layer on layer? I mean, for me, I don't think it has to be something that's on all the time for people. It's on all the time for me because that's just how I think now. So I always Mm. say to my clients, I'm like, I come up with an idea and then I'm like, if I was, if I was thinking bigger, what would this look like? If I was, if this was to be like really awesome, what would it look like? And it's not to say that I'm going to go to that extent, but I think a lot of times we might come up with ideas and we kind of have ideas and we're like, oh, what's the baseline? Like what's the base level for that idea? 
Whereas I'm like, if I was, if it was going to be amazing, if it was going to be everything I wanted it to be, like, what would that be? And then at least I know what I could be aiming for, even if I'm not going to go for that right now. And so I think it's a choice as well. I think you've got to decide what kind of life you want to live and what you, and what excites you. That doesn't excite some people. Some people are like, I really like comfortable suits. I really like (laughs) run of the mill, comfortable, like don't ask too much of me. I just like to kind of live life and chill and all the rest of it. And that's all good as well. So I think it's really just a choice too. Like if you want to live a bold life and think differently, then I think that that's just the question you've got to ask yourself all the time. If I was thinking bigger, if I was being bolder, what could this look like? I love that reflection. Again, that's the kind of lens or pair of glasses you could put over every decision that you make in your role. When you show up every day and you've got a decision sitting in front of you, just to ask yourself the question, what would it look like to be just a little bolder, just to think a little bit bigger in this scenario? And what could be the the magic that I can create out of that? I think that's a, that's a really super helpful, helpful reflection. I want to kind of bring the conversation to land with something, I guess, for people who are listening to this, who are thinking, okay, so I'm inspired. I know I'm, I'm inspired sitting here listening to you speak. I always am. Um, but one of the things that people are thinking, okay, what do I do now? Like what's the what's the most easy and accessible next step that we take from here that if I want to have the impact that I want to make in the world, if I could just be that little bit bolder, if I could be that little bit braver, I mean, what's the very first thing that I would do in order to kind of take that step in that direction? I mean, for me, the baseline is really what am I here to do? Like if you, if you wanted to really live a life right now in your job in in your life in your creative sphere whatever it is like what is it that I'm here to do what what impact do I want to have and I just think if you can really understand what that impact is so for me my whole vision and it sits on my wall is I'm here to support women to become bold and powerful voices in their industry and claim their space with confidence and that's what I'm here to do so whatever decision I make always comes back to the compass of that vision and so on a really simple level like what what would you what are you here to do what is it that you're really passionate about and then you can look at the different things in your life and say okay well if I'm really passionate about helping people be more creative or helping people lead with more passion and um, you know I don't know vision then maybe I could do a live on Instagram maybe I could do a podcast maybe I could you know, write a post on LinkedIn and talk about that. And maybe I could go to my boss and say, I would really love a project that, I don't know, connects with other leaders in the business. Or, you know, is there, is, are there social groups? Are there lunch and learns? Are there, like, what is available to you at any level, big or small, where you could start to really live into what do you want to do more of? And I think that's a really simple question. And I think a lot of times we're like, you know, what's the meaning of life? And that's such a big question. I'm just like, what do you really want to do more of? And how do you do more of that in your day-to-day life? And I think that if you can really start there, then I think that you can start to live a more bold life every day if that's what you're focused on, what I'm here to do. Oh, super, super helpful. So I always love chatting with you. It's it's such a, a an, an energizing experience. And I'm sure people who are listening to this are getting a whole bunch of value out of it as well. Um, now, you you do all kinds of things. Now, you've, you've talked about a couple of things. You're a phenomenal speaker, an incredible coach. I think you talk about curiosity. You are one of those people that lead with curiosity. And as, as a coach, I'm sure um, many people who work with you experience that. What's the best way for people from here to kind of engage with you and talk more with you? 
Yeah, I mean, you can always find me at suzechadwick.com, which is my website. Uh, and then I'm, I'm mainly on Instagram at suzechadwick, but I'm on all socials at suzechadwick as well. And yeah, I speak and I've got the podcast, which is the Brand Builders Lab podcast. So those are probably the main ways to connect with me. And I'm always happy to have a conversation. Yeah, we'll put all the links to all of your um, website, social medias, everything that in the show notes so people can reach out and connect with you. And, and you've got a bunch of programs as well people can engage with. I mean, I would just say any opportunity to connect with you is a good opportunity. So at least please reach out and connect with Sue's on social media. But thanks so much for the opportunity to have a conversation with you and for sharing um, and such helpful information for the people on the podcast. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. That's it for another week of phone calls with clever people. Thank you so much for taking the time to invest in you by checking out the podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out on any of the episodes as they're released. And of course, I'd love to hear how this has added value for you in the reviews. Have a fantastic week.